Hello, mech fans. This is Duncan Fisher. Hold on firmly to your mana potions, fireballs, and familiars, because you are tuning in to your regularly scheduled episode of the First Circuit Podcast. This is old Bob for episode 136 of the First Circuit Podcast. Go ahead, Ian. Hey, old Bob is unable to do the intro, so I'm going to take over for him. My name is Ian. I'm a host of the First Circuit Podcast for episode 136. Also, your hosts today are old Bob. Myself. Beide. Beep boop. And we have a special guest today, Tuck from Bedbound. Say hi, Tuck. Hi, everybody. So, Tuck, in a few sentences, can you give us a quick rundown of what Battlebounds is and, I guess, who you are first? Sure. Uh, Battlebound is a traveling wargaming show where we take the Battletech tabletop experience and we travel around the country and we meet the Battletech players because it's my opinion that it's the, the Battletech players that really make Battletech great. And we get to know them, we get to tell their stories, and then we get to have a game with them and we kind of present a little battle report there toward the end. Very cool. So today we're going to talk about Battlebounds with our guest Tuck, and at the end there's going to be a short segment regarding some of the Macro Online news, which, to be completely honest, aren't that interesting this month. So let's dive right into the more interesting stuff. Um, Tuck, let's maybe start with you before we dive too much into uh, Battlebound itself. Sounds good. What did you do before you started Battlebound? Uh, well, before I was doing this, I was a bartender by trade, but I was also a professional wrestling ring announcer. So Ooh. I do that, and as well as uh, MMA cage fighting announcing. So that was kind of what I did. I, I called it a very expensive hobby, but because uh, I didn't really get paid a whole heck of a lot for it, believe it or not, there's not a lot of money there. And uh, But I did it because I was good at it, and I did it because I enjoyed it. So I did that in my spare time, and I did bartending as a way to pay the bills. I got a question. So, like, did you cringe when I was doing this just now? When when I was doing the intros? No. Oh God, no, <laughs> no. Because I, 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 to me, it's all normal. Because in wrestling, we do vignettes and stuff like that all the time, and we ha typically have to go through two or three takes, mm -hmm. you know, and or somebody will get a really good take, and then right at the end, they'll screw something up, and we'll just like, oh, now we got to do the whole thing over. <laughs> okay. Oh, I feel vindicated. <laughs> and, and Thank so, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to me, that's all just yeah, business as usual. I'm used to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I, I know it's completely off topic, but um, announcer for wrestling is like a like live commentary, uh, like a sport match, or are you also doing like pre-show, post-show stuff like that? Uh, well, what I do is I do the main announcing, which is I get in the ring and I say, you know, making his way to the ring uh -huh. now is so and so, and then I tell the audience who won or you know what the stipulation are, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. I'm basically the audience's connection to what's going on in the ring, and I tell them, you know what's going on, who's in the match, who wins, who loses, that kind of thing. But also uh, backstage segments, we do vignettes where we interview wrestlers because we're trying to tell a story. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody knows at this point the fix is in and that mm -hmm. wrestling is predetermined. So what we do is we go ahead and take the, the wrestlers and we have interviews with them so that we can tell stories, we can mm -hmm. build up rivalries, we can sell those feuds, that kind of thing. And those vignettes get put on the big screen so that everybody that's watching out in the audience can see that. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's that's awesome. I love that. I just that's a lot of fun. A, that is certainly a unique hobby or, I mm -hmm. guess, second job, whatever you want to call I, it. I started out wrestling before that, and uh, I've done way more just doing announcing than I ever would have wrestling. So I'm actually pretty grateful that that uh, I ended up breaking my arm, which is how I got into announcing. So because <laughs> wrestling <laughs> is fake, and. Uh -huh. uh, 
yeah, that, that's how I got into doing it. And I, I'm grateful for that because I've done a lot more there than I ever would have just thrown my body around a ring. Hmm. Okay, so how does one go from wrestling to a Battletech fan? Oh, I've been a Battletech fan before, you know, I was a wrestling fan, really. I mean, I watched all that stuff as I was a kid, but at the same time, my buddy got me into Battletech in the mid-90s. And uh, I had first heard of it from the MechWarrior 2 computer game, and I was heavily into that. And when I met somebody in junior high, he was like, hey, I play this this tabletop game. And I asked him, is it anything like this? And he said, yeah, in fact, this is where that came from. And, and he said, this is the, the predecessor. And I said, oh, great, man. Yeah, let's let's learn and took me over to his house and taught me that day. And the rest is history. So that's usually the case for everybody. The rest is history. First, the first game yeah. is free, but then the rest you got to go pay for. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I was hooked since, you know, day one. There was no really like, oh, maybe I got to do two or three games to get like, no, I was just feet first, all in, all the way, and never looked back. That's cool. That's, I think that's the same with a lot of Battletech fans, too. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, the world does have that kind of allure to it. Mm -hmm. True, true. Very much true. So you started with the, um, well, MechWarrior 2, then the Battletech tabletop games. Did you also dive into the novels and source books and backstory? immediately or oh. after or... uh well that that took a while uh once i realized that there was a, a broader expanded universe that there was to delve into but once i figured that out uh, my buddy handed me falcon guard which was the first mm. book which funny yeah. enough it's the third book in that series i that was the first uh battletech book that i ever read and then when i realized oh wait there's more to it i went back and got the other two and and so i read the jade phoenix trilogy and from there, it was just like, oh, there, I want to absorb everything that I possibly can. So I've, I've had, you know, all kinds of source books and all that kind of stuff. And typically, I buy them almost as soon as they come out if it's relevant to me. So that's, mm -hmm. that's where I go with that. I have a whole shelf back here full of that stuff. Yeah, same here. <laughs> Some <laughs> so of it I had since I was a kid. Yep, same here, too. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> so did you identify as a clan at the beginning? Um, I didn't know that that was the gimmick at the beginning. I just thought, oh, these are two factions that you're, you're playing as in the video game. And when I was a kid, I'm trying to think about how to explain this. There's a big time allure of having all those super powerful, like ultra broken weapons and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I think it was maybe toward the end of my teenage years, I really started to realize, no, the, the clans really aren't for me. I like them now just fine, but I, I was an Inner Sphere guy at that point. And my buddy had, had created this uh, Mech Warrior character for me in the second edition pen and paper game. Mm, okay. And I don't know why he, he did, but he did it. He decided to name the character Tuck Davian. And I mean, I to this day, <laughs> I don't know why. But for whatever reason, it just it sounded super cool. Like Tuck Davian sounded like a really cool cat, but like. Me as a person that I was at that time, I just didn't feel like I was very cool. So I immediately started telling everybody like a dumb, you know, 15 year old, hey, everybody call me this name. And so that's kind of where that's came from. So oh. here I am at thir 38. <laughs> <laughs> Still using it. Yeah, the role playing game is pretty cool. It has some broken features, but it's, it's a really nice game to go play, though. Like as far as second edition, then third edition is a little bit more complicated, but it's fun, though. 
Yeah, the second edition was easy for me to understand, yeah. but I never got into any of the other ones until they put out Destiny. And so when they yeah. got Destiny, I said, "Oh, it's a story-based game. Like that's what I love. I love the stories." Mm -hmm. And so I got that and I've been I've been slowly just making my way through it. I have to go ahead and uh, go ahead and do that. I have to read it um myself I have it as a PDF from a long uh when they gave it out for free. Uh, but but I think it got changed though, for what I understand. Some things got changed mm -hmm. from the original, but I don't know. Who knows? But still, it's cool though. Yep. It's good. Yeah, that's that. got a bit reworked, and I believe uh, for the most part a bit simplified, made mm -hmm. easier to get into. Okay. And we absolutely should should try and play an online game of it at some point. Oh yes, that'd be super cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Anyway, moving on to uh, Battlebound, I guess. Um, so from my understanding, Battlebound is kind of a two, uh, two-folded thing. On on one hand, you're doing the um on location like actual battletech tabletop games and then on the second channel you're also doing the uh host game show um youtube thingy to it and i guess let's let's start with the tabletop aspect of battlebound for a bit what exactly are you doing in that regard well I just take all of my tabletop stuff, which I have this big blue tote here, and I have my felt mat, my three-dimensional terrain, miniatures, all that kind of stuff, and we load it up in the car, and then we take that to the player. Because a lot of folks, they, they play on two-dimensional maps, and that's totally cool. Like, I am not good enough to go lo-fi when it comes to that, but I've had this stuff for years and years at this point, like HeroScape terrain, that kind yeah. of stuff, and... The, the the real goal there is to take all that stuff with me so that that player can be like, oh, wow, I've, I've never played anything like this before, or it's been a long time since I have. And then they get to have that environment where it's like rich, colorful, three-dimensional, and it just adds a different aspect to the whole thing. So that that's the tabletop aspect for me is bringing the tabletop experience to people who don't get the chance to play all that often. So, so do you go to different um, game stores? Oh, sure. If the player has a local game shop in their area that they play at, I absolutely always want to go to those okay. because I want to showcase the game shops as well. It's kind of when I first put this idea over to my uh, buddy Taylor, who's my roommate, I said, I want it to be like that Guy Fieri show, uh, Drive-Ins, Diners, and Dives, but for Battletech. You know, you're going around the country, you're meeting people, you're seeing the local game shops, you're seeing kind of what that area has to offer, mm -hmm. and you're also getting more attention and more eyeballs on that game shop, and you can put their little web address there, and hopefully they get some business out of it. Yeah, that's actually re really noble, man. That's because, like, nowadays with the game shops, it's they're dying. They're dying like crazy now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Brick and mortar so, yeah. game stores are, are, are struggling. And it, the ones that we have here in town do pretty well because they have an established clientele already. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of them out there that folks just don't know about. And I notice on the Battletech communities like the, the trade and sell or that kind of thing, there's maybe only one or two retailers that anybody uses for anything. And I'm just like, well, what if those people don't have that particular item? Where are you going to go? And I was thinking, well, maybe I could throw out a few more options and just people could say, well, I saw this shop here. Chuck's uh, somebody that uh, messaged us said, I didn't even know there was a game shop in Denison, Texas until I saw it on your show. Mm -hmm. And so now they go over and they play there all the time. Well, there you go. That's that's really good. That's that's great for brick and mortar stores. That's awesome. Because <laughs> to me, BattleTech is all about that like in person experience. It's that ability to sit across from somebody and have a good time. 
that's that's why I was telling you guys earlier. I'm like, eh, I'm not so much into video games because it's not as personal to me. But sitting down with another person and then you're you're going back and forth and doing things and having a good game and you have that memory and you take that home with you. That's what's important to me is is just that human aspect. Oh god, like I know what you mean, man, because I miss playing BattleTech board game. Oh my god. We used to have planetary assaults and then, you know, companies versus companies, even regiments versus regiments. Oh, sure. And we, and we have like all these different, um, we have like three or four tables put together and just go at it, you know, basically. And it's just, God, I miss that so much. And it's really hard to find places to play at and literally people to play with that want to do that type of scale or even just even, you know, just, just one-on-one or something like that, unless you go to the game store, but game stores are dying like crazy now. So yeah, I miss that, man, so much. That's awesome. You're doing this. Well, thank you. That's another reason why I did the series that I did on how to grow the hobby in your area, because I know there's a lot of people that either live somewhere where they don't have any players or they've moved somewhere yeah. where there's no players. And now they're, they've got all this stuff, a lifetime's worth of stuff, but they don't have any outlet for it. They don't have anywhere to use it. And so I was like, well, okay, this is what I did in my area, and this is how it worked for me. So I thought that I would take and, and make a series of videos and say, if you guys repeat this stuff elsewhere, maybe it might work the same for you. And you can build yourself even a small community of maybe five to six people. You never know. That's all it takes, man. That's how I make friends, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. Cool. And on the flip side of growing your community, how much of your stuff was broken by players so far? <laughs> how, many, how much of my stuff was what? Broke broken you're broken <laughs> oh broken um by by people on the show or just people that i play with in general in general oh in general i've had it happen less than you know one hand times so it's, okay. it's i could i could count the experiences on one hand i had a lot of and every time it happens it's 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 never been bad i've always been able to fix it so yeah yeah mm. <laughs> yeah that's one of my subconscious fears like I'm, I'm so paranoid about people touching my battle tech stuff even though <laughs> it's it's so rare that something happens but yeah <laughs> there so, are some instances where i won't let people use certain miniatures because in my opinion they don't know how to handle them like hmm. i'm the only person who gets to use my old locust because if that goddamn yeah. gun barrel comes yeah. back to me bent one more time i'm gonna throw a clot so oh God, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm the only one who's allowed to use this. If you want a locust here, you can have the plastic one. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. I'm, in my head, I'm just picturing uh, the one of the original Marauder plastic from Valpatha. Um, mm -hmm. The one that's really difficult to really put together with glue and stuff. And that thing is breaking apart so bad on my, on my collection. Yeah, yeah I, the the metal ones that I have, they don't they don't really have that much of an issue. The plastic ones, I will literally throw it across the table to somebody and go, "That's about as careful as you have to be with that." Yeah, <laughs> well, that's what's plastic okay. ones are for. So yeah, they're cheap. Yeah. All right, so in Battlebound, uh, who's involved besides you? So it's me and my roommate Taylor, and Taylor is the camera side. He also provides like information on, well, how should we do this segment, or where do you think we should go? But the big thing that he does is he also plots like the travel itinerary. And I say, okay, well, we're going to go here. Let, what do you want to do here? And then he says, okay, leave it to me. And he'll put together the hotel reservations, because he used to be in hotels. And he'll figure out, okay, here's all the spots that's really cool about that that place. So we'll go visit those and get some quick video footage. And yeah, we've had some pretty cool adventures just because he's sussed out details about the area that I normally wouldn't have thought to look into. And and like we went to a cave 
in uh, what was it Harrison Arkansas they had these caves you could go to so we got up real early that day and we went and went and did the caves and uh he he'll suss out like the local history of the place and stuff like that so not only does he do the camera work and things like that but you know yeah he he's he's my assistant because I'm just like I don't I don't want to think about all that I just want to go play battletech <laughs> And then I guess your position is uh, playing the actual tabletop games and writing the background story. Right. And I do all the editing. I do all the sound work. Like basically when it comes to sitting down in front of the computer, I do all of that. And um, when it comes to what's going to happen in the game, I let the players take that. I just say, okay, well, what do you want to use? And they'll tell me and I say, okay, let me look at the battle value and I'll just go over it. And then we'll come up with you know, a, a four on four. And I don't usually think of the reason why until I'm sitting down to like write the yeah. story back when I'm back at home. And then yeah. I'm like, okay, well, what would be a cool story for that? And, and there used to be this magazine called battle technology yeah. and it was in the yeah early eighties, late eighties. Mm -hmm. And they always told the stories like it was real. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to like keep the kayfabe there and just tell it like it was a real thing and not like this thing that you're removed from. Mm -hmm. So when when your players come up to you and say, uh, this model looks cool, I kind of want to use this one, um, how do you go about figuring out like loadouts and lens conversations uh, battle value-wise? Do you have any tools, any recommendations, any tips for other people doing this? Oh, sure. Uh, let's say you want to pick out a Marauder, for example, but you, you're not sure what the configurations are. We use an app on our phones called Mech Factory. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, if you yeah. guys have heard of that, but yeah. it's, that's one of those things I tell everybody, download that now. That's, that's amazing. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We also use a record sheet program called Flex Sheets. And uh, you can get that on your phone or your tablet, and it's free. And some I, I prefer physical record sheets myself, but at the same time, let's say you go somewhere and like, oops, I forgot, or there's just you know, not enough time to go to a copy shop and print them. You can use it on your phone and you can have, I think up to like a company or something like that on there. So, and it's just like a, you tap and touch and that's how you do your armor and your criticals and all that stuff. So those are the two, the two biggies that I always tell folks get flex sheets and get mech factory. Well, like flex sheets, you can actually tap basically like all the different circles on the, of the armor and everything. Well, with that, what you do is you'll you'll tap on a per particular location and hold, and then you can scroll up or down depending on how much damage you want, and it'll just automatically fill in those bubbles for you. So if you scrolled up to like 10 damage, it would just fill in 10 bubbles for you. Oh, wow. Okay, I'll have to check. Or if you're like, oops, I did too many, you can scroll <laughs> back and, and un undo that. And just like I say, just tap and hold, and then you can go either up or down depending on what you want to do. And uh, it's just flexsheets.com? Uh, no, I believe it's, hold on, let me, let me look that up for you. I believe it's flex. Hold on. Doo -doo 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 -doo. That is amazing. If, uh, I mean, it's that's just you know, amazing. Sheets.flex.net and that's spelled F-L-E-C-H-S. I'll leave a link but down below. But you can below. also download the app for free on, uh, the app store. Okay. All right. Yep. I've got a link. We're going to okay, post cool. it in the because that sounds really cool. Yeah, it does actually. Oh, cool. really yeah, cool. like I'm totally with your physical sheets. Are other way to go. So yeah, I like physical sheets, but I mean, if if I could use this, this would just be cool. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. That, there you go. That's that's yeah. actually pretty nice. My main yeah, issue is physical phys sheets for me. It's like a tactile thing. I just like filling in the bubbles and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and crossing off the the weapons, the red destroy and stuff like that. This is so, it's so yeah. satisfying. 
Yeah. <laughs> or more likely, it's more satisfying to see your opponent start crossing stuff out on them. Right. That is satisfying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So, uh, how did you get started with Battlebound? And maybe more importantly, why? I mean, you've talked about your motivation, but what exactly went on in your head when you started Battlebound? Well, I mean, I'm sure everybody here has heard of Text Talks Battletech. Yeah. And that was something that I started watching, gosh, I want to say toward the end of 2018 or something like that. But I saw that and I saw how popular it was and I saw how much effort he was putting into it and how much passion that he had. And I was just like, oh, man, yeah, I always tell folks passion is something you can't buy in a classroom or I mean, buy in a store or teach in a classroom. So this guy had it and it was bleeding over into his work. And that's why it was so popular. And I was like, man. Battletech is having this big renaissance right now. Like the Kickstarter's taken off, all these different things are happening. We're getting all this new blood into the game. Mm -hmm. And I just, it, this has been such an important part of my life for so long. I always tell folks, for some folks, this is a hobby and that's cool. But for me, this is a passion. This is something that I do every week, often multiple times a week. So this is just something I really wanted to be a part of was this renaissance. And I said, well, okay, how can I do that? Because I know next to nothing about how to make YouTube videos or anything like that. And so I, that's when I came up with the idea of the, the drive-ins, diners, and dives, but for Battletech idea. And I started talking to Taylor about it, and he was in, initially enthusiastic. And I talked to a, uh, my local game shop owner about it, and he thought it was really cool. And so that's that's the impetus anyway. And that was the idea of, of how I wanted to get started, but I knew next to nothing. So I had to essentially pick it all up on the fly. I mean, you did a great job though. It looks, it looks amazing though, to tell you the truth, Thank like you. everything you do and to bring blood, you know, back into the game, which is what it really needed. Cause I mean, oh, for sure. a long time it was dying. It was just dying like crazy. And you know, anybody who does this kind of stuff, like, you know, uh, text talks, you, um, uh, who, uh, no guts of galaxy bringing people like into the game oh yeah there's a you know like set of the video game there's also a board game you know basically we always talk about this kind of stuff and it's always good to bring a new blood into the game so you get new people so it it actually bypasses us old farts that we've been playing for so long <laughs> that you know basically we could pass it on to the new passion of the different you know youth that is out there or even you know like older people too it just doesn't you know but there's masses amounts of bearded people bearded um, mech warriors out there that are there so yeah <laughs> well i find that a lot of people have heard of it but they'd either only heard of it in passing or it had been one of those things where people kind of talked about it derisively mm -hmm. and i was just like look there's a lot here there's a there's a rich background there's a lot of history but you don't have to know all that right off the bat the thing that that i tell folks that sets battletech apart from other war games such as 40k for example not that mm -hmm. i'm biased or anything um is that you have that rugged individuality you have that ability to have the game be all about you in one instance so you can turn the entire tide of a battle around by one shot and then later on when you guys talk about it i always i jokingly call it the cop talk you know like cops that are sitting around yeah. talking after they've just had a bust or whatever you're you're like yeah, man, if you hadn't pulled that one shot off right there, I don't think we would have been able to win this fight. So True. any any one person can be the hero. And I always tell folks that's you, not like, you know, a player character or whatever. No, it's you. You're the one doing it. Very true. Very true, actually. I like real I uh, got the killing chop with my uh, hatchet man uh, like on a uh, on a head, just chopped off his head. And yeah. that, was, that was a battle master <laughs> that I was attacking. So, yeah, it was 
it's Oof. definitely true man it's true <laughs> i love it <laughs> and i always remember that too it's because everyone cheered when i got that hit I'm like yay oh yeah no yeah. it was good and a lot of people are looking for that escape from reality. That's the big mm -hmm. thing I try to impart to, to folks when they're taking, when I meet them and then they're taking these games off to their individual gaming cons or their local game stores. It's these people looking for an escape from reality. That's, that's why you sit down in game because you want to hang out, you want to have that camaraderie, but you also want to forget about life for a while. And if you can take somebody and turn them into the star, then they're almost guaranteed to want to come back because they're going to want to experience that over and over again. Very true. That is actually a really good tip for running Battletech games. I haven't thought of it yet in that way. Oh, it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. Um, you can make it as complicated or as not complicated as you want. So it's just all about how much work you want to put into it. And there's really no wrong way to go about it. Just say, okay, this is the game I have, and I've got four on four or two on two. Just whatever you want to do. Yeah, I'm trying to get my wife into it, and uh, I'm thinking about just doing uh, like Alpha Strike at first, so she'll get used to how movement works and all that kind of stuff in general, sure. you know, that kind of thing. And then get her into the classic stuff, all the heavy duty, massive amounts of stuff that like, okay, here's your five books. Enjoy. <laughs> you know, <Right>? thing. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but what I, what I like about Battletech in general is uh, you don't really have to know the rules to play Battletech. As long as you have one person on the table who really knows their stuff, and you have a rough understanding on how uh, movement and targeting works. Everything else, the guy uh, can just tell you, like, well, 2d6 and tell me, and I'm going to tell you what happened. And the well, quick start rules that they came up with did a really good job of getting oh, yeah. people's yeah. feet wet, too. Mm -hmm. Th those are really good. I agree. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Um, Bob mentioned Alpha Strike. Uh, big question, Tag. Alpha Strike or Classic, which one do you prefer both for yourself and for the games you host and why? Uh, I'm all about that classic Battletech. Like, that's just what I've played since I was a kid. I got nothing against Alpha Strike. I personally don't understand all the hate. I, I see a lot of people, it's like, burp, burp, Alpha Strike, and I don't understand why. I think Alpha Strike is a great system, especially if you want to play a larger battle. I mean, if you don't have 12 hours <laughs> or more, you want to play a, a company versus a company, you can do that. Um, I played a company versus company recently in Classic, and we had to do it over like uh, two four-hour sessions to get it done. But yeah, Classic is is where it's at for me because I like the the total simulation aspect of it, where it's it's a complete. It's almost like a flight simulator in a way, where you can make that as complex mm -hmm. or as not complex as you want. And I guess you could really just say that that's what I was raised on. So that that's where I'm at. But when it comes to Alpha Strike, if I have a big game planned, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm going to bust out. And I'll use the variable damage rules so it won't go quite as fast. And and that's what I like about those. But, yeah, it's, it's all classic for me all the way. Mm -hmm. And when you play classic, do you play like a classic down, down to the ladder? Or do you play the modified uh, movement rule system for classic? Uh, I just play it as as presented in the book uh just the way i played it you know in the late 90s and and so i guess down to the letter is is the way i would say it there mm -hmm. and i just come up with the forces and say okay here's because a lot of folks they don't have as much reference material as i do in my local play group so they just kind of look to me and i say okay here's the game and then i will write out you know a three or four page story to go with it and then i'll say okay everybody please read this this is what we're doing today okay 
So you've already mentioned some of your motivations. Are there any more motivations uh, that you would like to mention? Well, and I know this is kind of sound, sound silly, but when I first had this idea, I was like, oh man, there, there used to be this, uh, and I think there still is this uh, show that works for Magic the Gathering called Walking the Plains. And what they did was they just started going out to these local pro tour events that were in their area or somewhat within driving distance, and they would cover them, even though nobody was asking them to or nobody was paying them to do it. They would just show up and do it because they loved it so much. And they would add their their own little personality to it, their own little flavor. And eventually the mothership, Wizards of the Coast, took notice of these guys and said, hey, why don't you just keep doing what you're doing, except you'll be doing it for us now. You'll be kind of like a, a an official promotional arm, and we won't change your format or we won't dither with that at all. We'll just send you on out and do your thing. And I thought, oh, man, yeah, imagine being like the Stan Lee of Battletech, you know, where you're just like the promotional <laughs> guy at that point. Hey, everybody, check this out, you know, bringing it to whoever wants to do it. And I was like, yeah, man, that'd be cool to to do this long enough that that the folks at, at Catalyst were like, hey, you know, we like what you're doing, you know, keep doing it. But, you know, this time you'll be endorsed. All you do is contact them. You know, the worst they'll say is no. You know? Oh, well, I, I know uh, a couple of the guys. Uh, what was it? Uh, his name is Ray Arastia. He's one of yeah, our okay, patrons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he's the, with the line developer. So he, he knows about the show and he supports the show. And that, to me, that's that's perfect. That's great. Like if, if they know about it and they don't have a problem with it. OK, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and if, if the other stuff is meant to be, then then that's what will happen. And I'm not too, too worried about it. I'm just focused on having fun at the moment. But yeah. Having fun is what you got to do, man. Any type of hobby. Any oh, type sure. of hobby. So, yeah, cool. A quick offshoot on inspiration, I guess. Uh, have you watched the show Death from Above from Hyper RPG? Uh, are, you, are you talking about Death from Above Wargaming? Uh, no, Death from Above was a, uh, I guess, Twitch, Twitch Battletech uh, game session uh, hosted by Mitch Gittleman and some of the people involved in the uh, Battletech video game. Oh, uh -uh, no, I haven't seen that. That's something interesting I'd like to look up and watch. Okay. I, I do heavily recommend. They have had a uh, pretty complex story going over two seasons. And the first one was a bit awkward because they were all new to being on camera, but the second one was really good. I still got to watch right it. On. Still got to watch it, too. Like, I'll watch a couple episodes, but you still got to do yeah. that, though. It's, it's one of those shows where you just can see people grow as actors and grow as Battletech players, and it's really enjoyable to follow along. Okay, yeah, but sorry, off topic, I, I just like to uh, advertise that show. It's so good. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, one more question. Um, I mean, I'm always looking for tips and tricks. So what tools do you use to play Battletech? I've seen in your videos you use custom dice roller. Um, can you tell us a bit more about those and what other tools you might have in your belt? Oh, sure. Uh, I have what I call gator cards sitting in my my bag. And if uh, you've ever gone through the Battle Mech manual, that was a thing they put forward in that particular supplement, which, in my opinion, is one of the best things they ever did. And and it's the uh, mnemonic device for learning basically how movement, you know, and, and shooting and all of that stuff goes. And it's and I went and photocopied it and cut a bunch of them out and laminated them. So if I'm trying to teach somebody, I'll just reach in and say, here, take this. This doesn't make any sense right now, but trust me, at, at one point it will. And I'll take that. And uh, I have a, uh, what do you call it, a target laser. They uh, they make them an army painter. 
and it just puts like a laser line down on the table. I call it the argument solver because <laughs> back in the day, we just used to use a, a piece of paper and I'm like, yeah, eh, but, but we, you can't argue with a laser, you know, so I got that. And uh, I've been using the the movement dice since before that was an official rule. Somebody turned me on to that when I was a teenager and I thought, oh, man, yeah, because great for keeping track of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So I use those. I don't you guys are familiar with the movement dice yeah yeah well yeah yeah okay yeah. sweet yeah, yeah and so i i bought a bunch of dice for that but uh oh and i also have the uh i this is kind of hard to explain over text or not text voice but i have this dice tower and it's was made by a buddy of mine and he laser cut it and printed out on it and it has all of the hit location tables for every single side on there. So you don't need the rule book anymore. You can just turn the dice tower around for front, left side, right side, and you can see, you know, each each uh, location has the number that you'd have to roll to hit it. So you, you just check what you roll and check it against the thing and you're good. It has the cluster hit location table, facing after fall, kick okay. location, punch location, okay. infantry, two hit numbers. There's so much information on this dice tower. And it's it's small, it's compact, but it's like one of the best tools that anybody's ever given me because I'm just like, wow, I almost don't need the rule book anymore. <laughs> I just hand the person the dice tower and say, okay, here's literally all the relevant information for whatever it is that you're trying to do in any given random game about. Tech. Yeah, actually, we got that on the uh, video right now, and that is freaking cool. I love that idea. Now, like, did you guys yeah, develop and, this and or what? Say that again. Yeah, like, did you guys develop that or what? He did, uh, okay. and, and it was crazy. His name is Igor, and he's just the coolest guy. He uh, showed up to our game one day in uh, at Dice Addiction. And like I say in that video series I made, just because he happened to hear our names around because we'd been we'd been doing it. And he'd never played a physical game of Battletech in his life, but the dude knew all the rules just like backwards and forwards because he'd played Mega Mech for 12 years. So okay. he shows up and just knows everything right off the bat. And I was like, what? Okay, wow. Yeah, sure. Shay, join in, you know? And he has this uh, laser cutter and this like printer doodad at home. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but he showed up one day with this dice tower and I was like, what the heck is this thing? And and when he realized that I liked it so much, he gave me one as a birthday present. That's cool. It's a good idea. Yeah, dice <laughs> are really cool. It takes the, the, the uncertainty of dice worlds out of your hands. Um, do you know whether he uh, published the uh, dimensions and print files and stuff like that so people can copy it? I don't know that he's put any of that stuff out for public consumption. Mm -hmm. It's he's he's a real cool guy, but he's also very private. Okay. So I don't okay. know. I, I approached him once. I'm like, hey, you know, I can put this over on our show if you decide this is something you want to maybe make a little bit of extra money and and sell on the side and he was like eh, you know not not really he he's just kind of happy to to have his group of friends there in the the area and that's that's about it but i can ask him at some point you know if he'd be willing to put that kind of stuff up there yeah that's a good yeah. idea he's one of, he's one of our patrons so yeah. yeah i mean having a 3d model like this and then being able to like either cut it with laser cutter or just print it out would be i think pretty cool for a lot of uh smaller scale tabletop games yeah, not like Warhammer 40k with uh, orcs or anything. See, I don't know how it would work with that because I, I, I tell folks all the time I'm boring. This is the only game that I play. Like mm -hmm. I don't, 
There's a few other ones that I've had some ideas and I'm like, oh, I'd like to play like Flames of War or Bolt Action or something like that. But I don't know anybody that does it. I, I just do this. But uh, there's a guy on the Battletech International uh, forum and he's one of the moderators. His name is Patrick Saul. He came up with a cheat sheet somewhat similar to what's on the Dice Tower here. But it's like on a piece of paper and he just hands it out like he passes it around the table. Mm, okay. Yeah, like a uh, Warhammer 40k for orcs, you roll uh, about three dice per orc. You run in groups of thirty, so that's ninety d sixes mm-hmm. that you have to go through. <laughs> so yeah, oh lord, <laughs> that, that's a little yeah, bit small. I've I've watched <laughs> I've watched Warhammer tabletop games, and I never understood how people enjoy it. It's just counting dice, nothing else. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I just but, understand you. You throw them all out and look for the fives and sixes. Like, yep, that's about it. Yeah, that's all. That's all it. I know. Exactly. <laughs> But and yeah, then that's... you have to do a two-page math calculation to see if you if a free is enough or if yeah. you need that four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oof. It's a pain, trust me. <laughs> okay, so um yeah, the dice tower, that's a good idea. I like that. Love that idea. Yeah. Dice tower, uh we've got the army painter laser pointer, also a really good tip. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Uh nope. That that's pretty much uh, the tools that I that I employ on any given any given day is the dice tower, the laser pointer, the movement dice, and the gator cards. Yeah, and I mean uh, the terrain is the the one that's fairly common in the BattleTech community. Uh, your battle mat um, is that official BattleTech stuff or something else? Oh, uh, the uh, felt mat that I use that you see on the episodes it came from a place called Hots Mats, and that's spelled H O T Z Mats. And from what I understand, like the guy's really hit or miss, like you, you can order from him and get it real quick, or you might order from him and not see it for three months. I, I don't know, mm. but I got lucky and I bought this mat and I got it for Christmas in 2016, I think. And I got it in less than a month and it was a bargain mat, just 1.75 inch hexes. And I think I picked it up for 60 bucks okay. and I've just, it's a four by six feet mat. And I've, I've had it since then. And I, I used it, uh, I put my HeroScape terrain on it because I had a bunch of HeroScape terrain and it's perfect size for that. So I use the HeroScape tiles to note woods and rough terrain and things like that. And then a buddy of mine, uh, he has a, uh, not a laser cutter, it's this like heat wire cutter. And he made all that foam terrain that you see. If you watch an episode and you see all the three-dimensional foam terrain, he made that out of like flock and glue and uh, house insulation. Mm. Yep, he he made that for me. Basically, he said, I'll do this for you as a birthday present. Just buy me the glue and the felt, and then everything else, don't worry about it. And so, yeah, he gave me this huge tub full of terrain, and it's modular, so you can build pretty much anything you want out of it. What a lot of people do, too, now. Um, they also do the 3D prints for uh, for buildings or, or like stuff like that. But back in the day, we used to actually do um, styrofoam, cut it with a uh, with a heat wire, and, and kind of build oh. your own different things uh, for, for, like, a... Uh, for like you know houses and and you know big mech factories and stuff like that and then painted up and everything a long time ago but now it's just 3d printed you know uh, or you well, know, kind of you know. what some of the buildings that i have is uh i downloaded them from sarna mm-hmm. and i just went to fedex kinkos and printed them off on cardstock and then cut yeah. them out and folded them so they're like paper craft buildings mm-hmm. i also have some buildings from a guy named ali uh he lives in turkey i want to say and just for super bargain price, like I think it was like 30 bucks shipping included. He sent me all these like buildings and radio towers and, and trees and things. And so I've, I've had those since I want to say 2018. 
from Turkey. Shipping Man, from Turkey. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it, it was thirty dollars total. Like I got all that stuff, and the shipping was just included, and I was blown away. I was like, "This almost sounds too good to be true," but it's only a thirty dollar uh-huh. risk, so I'll, I'll gamble. And nope, he came through, and I got it the, the day after Christmas that year. Hell, it cost me thirty bucks to go send a little tiny uh, book to Canada. <laughs> so, 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 like, right? Damn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's cool though. That's really good that people actually do that. You know, like uh, you know, and the risk, man. That's a big risk uh, to go ahead and go up to Turkey and say, "Hey, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give you thirty bucks and send me all this stuff." And thank God you got that. That's right. cool. It, That's good. At the same time, I was like, eh, you know, if if, if I lose thirty dollars, it's thirty dollars. Like it'll suck, but it's not the worst thing in the world, you know. True. And uh, I got a guy that I uh, can't. I think he lives in Russia. He made this book for me and it's like it's this big wooden book and you flip the cover over and on the inside it has battle foam basically like uh printed out on hexes and stuff Mm -hmm. so you can stick your miniatures in it and then you just close it and he had the the words tulsa battletech league engraved on the front so that was pretty cool too so it's a book you open up and it has uh buildings or something yeah it's like no, it's it's like a uh, it looks like a book, and then you open up the lid, and on the inside there's foam, so you can put your miniatures in there. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's like have you seen Battle Foam? Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, except it's it's not the same material, but yeah, it's like that. It's like you open it up, and it's like a miniature version of Battle Foam, where you can stick your. I think it's like up to a company of miniatures you can get in there. I mean, generally for BattleTech, you don't actually use a lot of. Uh... You don't need the 40k style, um, you know, big boxes or big cases to hold all your stuff. So with BattleTech, you just hold like, you know, yeah, have one little tiny thing for it. Yep. Not- I, I typically try not to go over eight, you know, because when I when I play at a game store, I've only got so many hours to get it done. Mm-hmm. So I try not to go more than Lance versus Lance. But you know, here at the house, we can do whatever. But yeah, yeah that thing was kind of cool because we were doing this tournament setting, and it was uh like I say, the Tulsa BattleTech League, and we had prizes and all that stuff. So I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. It makes it a little bit more official, <laughs> <laughs> official Jeez. feeling. Very cool. How much how much time does it take to set up a game in a in a bookstore? Like between you arriving and the player starting to play? Oh, the setup really only takes me about twenty five minutes tops. I I like to get if the game is going to start at six, I like to get there at about five thirty, and then I know I've got you know twenty five minutes or so to set the game up, and five minutes to go grab a drink and pass out cards and get ready. And and I, because I have everything in this tote, I will usually enlist the help of somebody who is there early and I'll tell them there's no rhyme or reason to this. Just build whatever you want. It doesn't matter because <laughs> we're, we're going to have a game and the terrain isn't really that how it's set up. Isn't that big of a deal. And so they'll help me. But if I had to do it myself, yeah, I'd say about 25 minutes tops. That's cool. So yeah, it's uh, a pretty I, easy setup. I think we have our next part. Um, I, I don't know if that's right. Are you done with all the questions? Uh, um, Ian, uh, we have. Uh, I'm going to ask you some questions about your uh, favorite part of lore. What's your favorite I part would, of lore? Yeah, well, well, I, well, I would like to keep talking, but about Battlebone. Well, like I didn't know you actually went I, through the I, questions. I, I'm or not. down to talk about okay. whatever you guys yeah, want. Yeah, go to, right ahead, man. man. It's cool. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's such it's, it's such an interesting project. I do want to know a lot more. So, um, do you have any connections and uh, like I guess cross involvement, cross assistance with other organizations who do similar stuff? Well, we've done a few collaborations. Uh, let's see. One of the first collaborations we did was with a channel called Death From Above Wargaming. And uh, one of their guys 
lives out in Springfield. And so we drove out there and we did uh, the game at this little comic book shop called Nameless City Comics and Board Games. And that was the and they had this little thing called Battleytics, which is pretty neat. So I got to make something for that. And uh, that was our first collaboration. We've collaborated with Battletech International on Facebook. I, when we the Tukiyet episode, we went out to California for that, and the one of the big time moderators for that group lived out there, so he was present for that game. Uh, we've worked with a uh, place called Plastic Gaming. We've done a little hobby hangout session with them. That was kind of cool. And we've we've got some other stuff in the pipeline. I don't want to I don't want to say too much and jinx it, but yeah, we've got some other stuff that that folks have contacted us about and said, hey, we'd like to work with you on some Tukey and stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, man, that's great. I can do that, you know, all day. And uh, I I don't want to sound like I'm a name dropper or nothing because I'm always like being in wrestling. I'm super paranoid <laughs> about that. But like, so uh, Tex and I have gone back and forth on on a few things. We haven't made anything yet but at some point he's very keen to be on the show he's he's told me so and he he'd like to come on and do it and i'm like yeah man that's great but the the nature of his job we can't drive out there we can't we can't go hang out like in person so i would have to figure out some way for us to do it that we're both well versed in and because i don't really do online stuff i'm like uh mega mech tabletop simulator uh okay i'll just have to learn how to use them i guess and and we have that in the future, but that's an undetermined point in the future. We're not in, we're not entirely sure when that's going to happen. That's cool. Yeah, actually, Tex, I love his voice. Actually, really good voice for that. Uh, he used to be a profession a professional lecturer, actually. Really? Oh wow. So uh, as as he as he told me, yeah, that's like something he did, you know, for a living at one point. So he he's very good at at speaking. Just besides, and that's his real voice. Like if you called him up on the phone, that's exactly how he would sound. That's not a gimmick. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> right. So for, for me, I have one final question before uh, we could move on to the YouTube part of uh, Battlebound. How do mm -hmm. people sign up for the tabletop or otherwise get involved in the show? Uh, we have an email address. It's wearebattlebound at gmail.com. And if you want to be on the show, you'll just go ahead and email us and say, this is where I'm from, and I have a game store, I don't, and I'd like to be on the show. And then we'll just basically have to check our finances and see whether or not we're able to do that. Well, one of the things I tell folks a lot is I made this show for the first seven episodes on entirely on my savings. Like the, the whole thing with the uh, lockdown happened back in March uh, here in, in Tulsa, and I was laid off. And I said, well, I have the savings, and I've always griped about not having the time to make this show. So I'm not really just – I'm not even going to look into doing anything else right now. I'm just going to kind of go all in on this. And that worked for a while, but what I tell folks now is we have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash battlebound. And that is one of the things that's going to help us make episodes in the future is whether or not we have the money to go out and do it. Because each episode will take about 250 to 300 USD to make on average, and that's somewhere close. Like if we had to travel out, for example, to like Florida or something like that, it would probably double it. So because we have hotel, gas, food, all that kind of stuff. So if somebody emailed us, I would have to look at where they are and I would have to see where our finances were at the time. And also right now, we can't really travel because there's new lockdowns that, yeah. that's going on. And so we're trying to be as safe and conscientious as we possibly can. So 
when that stuff gets a little bit more relaxed and it's more safe for us to do that again, then we'll go out and we'll start doing that. So if somebody wanted to be on the show, they'd email us and uh, hopefully they'd be down to support the Patreon. And that's how we would get somebody on the show. But you don't have to be a patron to be on the show. Okay. Okay. So, like, so I uh, guess um, I'll go ahead. Um, one follow up to that. Um, long term, do you plan on running Battlebound as like potentially a your main job, or do you think it's always going to be a hobby? Um, honestly, that's the dream is is for it to be the 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 sole source of of income and what I'm able to devote all of my time to. But for the time being, it's, it's like I say with wrestling, it's just a really expensive hobby. Mm-hmm. So I'm not treating it as anything other than just a really expensive hobby but if it ends up being something more than that in the future that would be you know fantastic and that's what we're working toward at the moment if it happens it happens you know but i'm i'm very big on the the a big proponent of don't worry about it because worrying is you're just thinking about stuff that hasn't happened yet so don't worry about it just do the best work you can and and learn as much as you can and and always be moving forward and hopefully at some point it'll turn into that Today's episode of Battlebound is sponsored by Wade Shadow Legends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess completely off topic. Would you take sponsorships for your episodes? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I've, I've talked with it. Uh, the guy that uh, ran the game shop down in Denison, uh, Ray Garner of Garner's Games, uh, he and I have talked about it a little bit. And I would be down to do that. Uh, that's That's part of the reason why we did the Patreon in the first place. But I don't exactly know how to go approach somebody and ask them (laughs) like hey man can you give me some money like you know i i don't i don't know how to do that so if there was a game shop out there that said oh well okay you know you you've just made it past the 1000 subscriber mark and you know i'd I'd like to you know pay a little bit of money a month to to have my my name put out there i would totally take that and and gimmick them up a little screen and everything yeah that's cool yeah you do like something like uh, say like you've if you've got a Ford car, say hey Ford, uh, we're gonna be traveling, so we'll do a a montage of us using a Ford car going cross country to do gaming. <laughs> oh sure, please. <laughs> or, or something. What I told somebody else uh, a while back was I was at at least at the outset anyway. I was really leery about asking the BattleTech community for money. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to monetize my videos or anything like that because. I know that feel, especially in wrestling, you'll get people who are just like, yeah, brother, I could do this show and all I need is, you know, $15,000 and I can do da 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 And I, I hear that kind of stuff all the time. And so I didn't want the Battletech community at large to think that I was just a huckster who was trying to, you know, get money out of them or something like that. So I was real leery about it at first. But to toward the end, I was just like, yeah, if I don't do this, we're not going to be able to keep making the show. So <laughs> it's kind of one or the other here. Yeah, you you basically produce something, and you know, and then hopefully, you know, people do like it. So you know, then you go from there, and that that's how it that's works. That's the hope. Yeah, yeah, that's the hope. So yeah, that's cool. I like that. Like that. Okay, so I've on the uh, camera side of uh, this podcast, I've already had the uh, YouTube channel Battlebound open the whole time. Can mm-hmm. you give us a quick rundown of what goes into making one of your Battlebound episodes? And what kind of segments you have and what your workflow is creating one of those? Well, each episode will take me roughly 40 to 50 hours on average to edit and and compress and just get everything the way I want it. Uh, Taylor and I always go through and we sit down on the couch and watch the episode before we put it out. And that way, if I need to fix anything, I can go back in and I can I can fix that. Um, 
with the planning side of it, Taylor will usually take about a week or so to, you know, call up the local game shop in the area or do the hotel reservations, do some research about the area, see if there's anything cool there for us to go and do. And when we get there, I, I basically have a format for the show, which is, you know, welcome, hello, this is where we are. And then I'll show some cool stuff and then we'll go to the featured player and we'll talk with them for, I try to go eight to 10 minutes, but sometimes they're just too good and they run past that because it's painful to cut anything out and I don't want to. And then we'll go, okay, now let's do this force composition segment. Because if you've only seen the Halloween episode, like each one has like a little mini technical readout where I, I give a little rundown of everything that's being used. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go into the battle report, which I tend to like to have at least eight to 10 minutes there, if it's at all possible. With the, the Tukiyit episode, it just, it went by so fast. <laughs> like we, I, didn't, I didn't have as much footage there as I would have liked. But, and then we'll go what I call after the action. And we'll, like I say, we'll have that little cop talk. We'll sit around and say, okay, well, how do you think you could have done better? Or what did you think about this? What were some strategies you tried to employ? That kind of thing. And typically, we'll go to a restaurant first. Like, I'll, I'll always try to highlight some local flavor type spot that you can't get anywhere else. And, and then we'll talk about that for just 30 to 40 seconds. And then we'll sit down and do the, the after the action report. So that's basically the format of, of every episode that we do. Uh, lately, we've been doing skits at the beginning of the episode, which has made the whole production just 10 times more fun to do, you know, fun or silly things. Um, the the tryhard zone was one of my favorite ones we did. Uh, the Indiana Jones one was a lot of a lot of fun to do. So that that's kind of interesting. We'll sit down and say, OK, well, what kind of skit do you want to do for this one? And, and we'll talk about ways that we can take Battletech and put it into another area of pop culture. And that's that's kind of like family guy in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that that's that's typically about what it what it takes. And, and that process, I don't do the, the 40 or plus hours or whatever all at once like. I I, oh, yeah. I try to take days off so I don't get burned out. But yeah, that'll typically take me a, a couple of weeks to to get that all put together. Plus, I I run you know the the games that I run in between, so I try to make sure I have time for everything there. I still do wrestlings so that that happens on the weekends sometimes, so I have to make sure I have that time. And yeah, it, it'll typically take me about two weeks. Yeah, you're get a busy to guy. Start to finish. Yeah. It, it's just been that way since about 2015. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, yeah, all over the place. Jeez. Oh, yeah. The, like, you know, editing and, uh, um, you know, like, um, you know, like, um, uploading and doing all the different stuff that you do. It takes a long, long time. If you want to really want to go do it right. And you did a good job on those. And I did it. And I did like it. I like your skits and I like your, your, your format and of how you do things. And I watched, uh, I didn't watch Halloween mm -hmm. one. I watched a couple other ones. And you put some commercials in them too, like didn't you? Uh, well, or they I seem don't like commercials. I uh, the only ones I had was like I I advertised flex sheets that one time. Okay, that might have been it then. Yeah. Oh, and and we did the uh, the virtual world uh, oh, one yeah. where we went down to Houston and mm -hmm. we we put them over because they allowed us to play there and they didn't charge us any money. They just said, hey, if you're gonna come play in the pods, go ahead and shoot your episode in our little day room over here. That's cool. That That's was cool. kind of cool of them, but. I miss those pods, by the way. Those pods are great. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. Oh, man. Are we going day, to... I'm going to experience them in person. One, One day? day? <laughs> well, they have them in um, somewhere. Um, Illinois or something like that, I think. The Apodsidil yeah. 
you know, plus you yeah, go... that used to be where they, they yeah, used to be in Chicago, but yeah, Chicago. I know they have them in Houston now. And uh, there's another one. I, th- I want to say Minnesota off the top of my head, but without looking it up, I can't I can't remember. But the original also, ones, oh, sorry, go ahead. They're also traveling to a couple of um, conventions. Yeah. So if you're living in the U.S., you can probably uh, be at a website, find out where you can play in them. It's just a bummer if you live uh, not in the U.S. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, if, but... you're, if you're wanting to see where those guys are at, it's the MechCore website Metcore, you yeah. can look that up on. Yeah, I remember actually, but, but you have to go to one that actually is a bar as well. It had a bar, and then the back portion of it was you go in the pods. You spend 10 minutes... Um, an orientation, ten minutes playing, and then ten minutes coming out of of like or I guess like like after battle report, you get a sheet and all that kind of stuff. But it has a bar in it, and it was just so amazing. You could just sit down with your other friends and just go drink and go have a grand time. And this was Walnut Creek a long time ago, and I used to be there every Saturday Sunday, man, every single Saturday and Sunday play that. That was a lot of fun. We did a small documentary on them actually. Uh, what was it? I want to say October. Mm-hmm. No, August. August is what it was. Yeah, uh, August, we did a small documentary on Virtual World as it was, and then where some of these pods are now, which is Battlefield Houston. So that trip okay. was kind of like a twofer. So if you go back, yeah, we, we have that small, it's maybe 30 minutes or so documentary. I'll have to go ahead and uh, remind you, put the link down below, by the way, too. Sure. Bob is taking notes. Um, in the meantime, regarding the uh, youtube portion of battle bones when you started battle bones did you immediately have the intention to do youtube or was that some word of an afterthought no that was the that was the intention right off the bat was to do a youtube show and i thought that because of the success of text you know when you go watch his videos you can see these videos have a hundred plus thousand views you know and i thought oh man if you can get somebody to sit down for an hour and and watch this then a, a show it's maybe 30 minutes or, or so should be a pretty easy sell. And so I wanted to do YouTube essentially right off the bat. I wanted to have it be a threefold thing at first. I just realized later on that I didn't have enough time for it. I wanted to do a podcast where we just talked about stuff kind of like this. And I wanted to do a painting show called uh, painter's pit, which I just uploaded one, which is okay. pretty cool for me. And, um, then I wanted to do the traveling show, which was what I would call the main show. But the main show ended up taking all of my time. So I didn't have enough time to do any of the other stuff and not also get burned out. So, yeah, YouTube was the, the first thing I wanted to do. Right. And then to produce YouTube shows, what are uh, some uh, what's the editing software you use? Do you have any music or effect libraries that you can recommend to people? Well, I use uh, Wondershare Filmora. And when I went into this, I knew nothing about editing videos. Like the most I ever did was trim videos on my phone. So I just went on YouTube and started looking up what's a good free editing software. And Filmora was one of the more recommended ones. And so I got it, but then I bought the the full version. I think it was like 60 bucks and I paid for a lifetime membership or something like that. But now I have access to all that and they have... Uh, on their website, if you're a, a member, they have a bunch of free effects libraries that you can go and look at. So a lot of the effects and stuff, like scene transitions or elements that you know, I put on screen, things like that, text, whatnot, it's all in there. And you can just download them for free. They have you know, a few premium library choices that you'd have to pay for, but the vast majority of it is free. Um, 
the other guy that I want to put over is name is Kevin McLeod, and he runs a site called Incompetech, and he's got all kinds of royalty-free music on there. And if you want to download it, you you can either pay for a license, which helps support him. I think it's a uh, twenty euros is is what he charges. Or if you download it for free and you don't choose to pay, he's like, that's fine, but you have to put a link you know, in your video somewhere yeah. that says this is where you got it. So you have, you know, a couple of options there. And he's he's great. I've gotten a lot of different stuff from that website. So I love him. But other than that, like effects and, and things like that, I just look up on YouTube and I'm like, uh, what are some royalty free sound effects for what I'm doing? Like, I'll just type it in and then I go download it. Yeah, it's usually what I do too. But 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 songs and uh, that kind of stuff is just really hard to get. But like, what's it called again? Like, like Infotech, you said? Incompetech. Incompetech. Yeah. They have some pretty and, good tracks in that collection. Yeah, he, he's got all kinds of stuff. I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of tracks on there in all kinds of different genres, too. So you can look up, up anything you need and find something that'll work for you. Yeah, true. But that, yeah, that's about it. Like, if, if I need something at the time, I'll just look it up for, like, sound effects and things like that. I, I work on a, a shoestring budget. So uh, some other stuff I've gotten uh, from, uh, what was it? There's a website, let me pull it up here, where you get free stock videos. Pexels, mm -hmm. that's what it's called. Oh, P-E-X-E-L-S. Pexels. And uh, what type of stock can you find there? Oh, just anything. You can, you can type in uh, anything in their little search bar, and uh, they have uh users that upload content to the website that that you can use and, and you just credit them or something like that but there's other premium resources you can use there and you can pay for that if you want but they have a bunch of free stock footage on there and it's uploaded by people so it's not always going to be guaranteed to be something that you're going to want mm -hmm. but if you you owe it to yourself to go look just to see if there's anything there like when you if you watch the tukey it episode that big hollywood sign pan i totally got from pexels okay <laughs> I wish I had a drone that was like capable of going up there and, and filming that, but I didn't. Yeah, yes, yeah that'd be good. <laughs> I should get a drone. I, I want a drone. I want a drone too. But just getting getting permissions to fly a drone is so difficult in many places. So it's not even worth buying one. I think in America, it's oh, it's, well, a lot, America. it's a lot easier to do though. But I'm not too sure. But I, don't know. I wouldn't even think about asking permission. I would just do it. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I get caught later. I mean, yeah, you can. But yeah, in, in many countries, especially, uh, there are some general laws uh, where you can't fly drones and it can get really expensive if you're caught. So yeah. I haven't been willing to risk it yet. Ah. Uh, <laughs> just fly it over yeah. some airport. You'll be fine. Come on. Yeah, just fly it in front of planes. <laughs> yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Sure. <laughs> All right. So for me, I'm mostly done with my questions uh, regarding better bones. Uh, Bob Bider, do you have anything else? I don't think I have anything myself. You actually pretty pretty much answered everything, and actually, I am intrigued. I want to. Uh, um, there's a game store where um, in Sacramento that um, I I know the owner. He's a really cool guy, and I'll I'll talk to him about uh, getting you guys down there, like if you want. You know, basically showing. What's the, the name videos. of it? It's uh um, God damn it. Um, um, <laughs> hey babe, like, what's the game store in in, in Sacramento? The Grayscape Games. But I know the owner. That but I haven't sounds been. familiar. Yeah. Yeah, I in... know a guy that lives out there mm -hmm. and that used to play with us here in Tulsa that moved to Sacramento. Okay. And uh, there's somebody that, that we've been wanting to get on the show for however long. 
and eventually we'll we'll be in that area because they're one of our like OG players that started with us down here. And when yeah. they moved out there, I really wanted to go out there and say, hey, you know, this is one of our original players and now they live here and this is what we're doing. So it's a big I was, store. I was seeing if the name of the store was was something that triggered a memory because they've said what the name is, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Yeah, it's, it's great. Skip Games. It's a big store. I've been going there for for years. Um, I haven't gone there for a while because obviously at COVID and, and plus also I live like right. two hours away, but but uh, it's a great store, good good people, and they have a small Battletech um, group there as well, too, to go ahead and start up and kind of have some fun with and be great to have an episode there, too. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. I, I'd love to go back to California for literally any reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's the only question I had, basically, as far as like when I want to talk about Biter. Um, so one question sort of vaguely forming my head was something along the lines of... Uh, yeah, we heard that you like to be supported by Catalyst Games and such, and obviously grow the channel. But uh, part of that, at least, is sort of, you know, in sort of a dream scenario, sort of um, how are you going to advance the channel? Like, for example, um, I think a lot of your stuff is filmed with just one camera. Like, what are you going to do to improve your videos over time? What, what's How are you going to work on the channel? Mm. Well, the Patreon is part of that. We actually have two cameras. We have a, an overhead bird's eye view style camera so that we can get all that action without having to think about it. And then I have a handy cam, which uh, is just a fancy way of saying my phone. And <laughs> I, I use my, my phone to, to film all the up close shots. But uh, one of the big, big things that we wanted for Patreon was not just to go out and do more episodes, but it was be able to upgrade the equipment, like get better mics, get better camera equipment, that kind of thing. We actually just had somebody, believe it or not, He's a, a $1 patron. It's totally cool. He sent us this like $200 lighting set. I swear when I set it up, I feel like I'm, I'm like got a mini movie set going. They're huge, <laughs> these LED lights. And um, in the meantime, while I wait on that stuff, because I think right now we're about 100 or so dollars a month. So it's going to take like a, a couple of months of saving to be able to make a, a big purchase. But in the meantime, we do these live streams where I used to do it on Twitch. But I did it last week on YouTube, and oh my gosh, it was so much better than Twitch. Like, I had so much more engagement and so many more viewers. So we're going to keep doing these live games where I get pretty tipsy and then just start talking about whatever. <laughs> and we're blowing stuff up, and, and we'll take basically any excuse. It's like three-on-three three or four-way, you know, whatever. And uh, I think next week we're doing Wednesday night Irby fights. Mm. So that's that's going to be ridiculous and fun. They're all going to have, like, you know wrestler names because i thought that's 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 a fun thing i want to do you like ruth bader herbsberg and you know macho man randy randy savage themed you know that kind of thing and and it'll be a big city fight with nothing but urban mechs and eventually we have some other guys that live really close that we can do without having to save up a lot of money a buddy of mine lives out in kansas that used to play here with us so we can go see him another buddy of mine i know uh, lives out in, I want to say, Midwest City or so, which is maybe two hours from where I'm at. So that's like a day trip for us. We can just go out there, do it, and come back and do it all in the same day. So we've got episodes planned that we don't necessarily have to wait a long time to save up for. So with the Patreon, we're taking that money and investing it back into the show and buying better equipment and things like that. All right. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's the main question I sort of had on my mind. Okay. Right. So I guess as a very final segment, then quick fire questions, Tuck. Um, answering right. in as fast as I can. I, I want I wanted to say one word, but answer in one sentence or less. 
Favorite okay, part of the Battletech lore. Favorite part of Battletech lore. Uh, gonna go ahead and go with the Jade Phoenix trilogy. Hmm. Favorite timeline within the Battletech lore. Uh, that would be Plan Invasion timeline. What's your least favorite timeline? Uh, Dark Age. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> favorite character out of the Battletech lore. Oh gosh. Oh Joanna for sure. I love Joanna. Ooh. Okay. Choice. Least okay. favorite character. Least favorite character, Katrina Steiner. Yep. Mm, favorite <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, uh, favorite mech. That's tough. Across the board, gotta say Thunderbolt. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Least favorite mech. Least favorite mech, uh, Grand Titan. <laughs> mm -hmm. And favorite vehicle. Favorite what? Vehicle. Uh, oh, I guess oh, that's vehicle. Like one vehicle. Uh, uh, SRM carrier. Oh, and least favorite? <laughs> SRM carrier. Least favorite. Uh... <laughs> That's yeah, what I was expecting, yeah. <laughs> least favorite SRM carrier <laughs> yeah. to, to face, to go up against. <laughs> true. Right. Very true. <laughs> so, uh, do we have any, any last words, anything you want to add onto the show? Uh, just if you check out check out our Patreon, we do multiple different kind of reward tiers. It's all twenty five dollars or less, so we're not trying to gouge you. Uh, there's we have stories, we have extra videos, we have behind the scenes looks, that kind of thing. And if this is a, a show that you like and a show that you believe in, and you just want to support it for five bucks a month, you know, hey, I'm not going to turn you away. We still have cool stuff that we're doing every month, and I give everybody kind of like a little behind the scenes look, you know, at least once a week, if if not more than that. So yeah, just check us out on Patreon and, and please subscribe because the, the more YouTube subscribers we have, the better we are doing against the algorithm. Fighting the algorithm has been basically a year-long thing for us. Mm -hmm. So any, anything that you can that, that can help that that just get up and above where we're at now so that more folks can see what we're doing and then we can have more people on the show, that would be great. Mm -hmm. So that is patreon.com slash battlebound and youtube.com slash battlebound. And I'll leave all the links uh, down yeah. below too, by by the way, as well. Sweet, thank you. Yeah. Ooh. In that case, attack. Uh, thank you very much for being on the First Circuit podcast. And thank you all so much for having me. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to come talk about what we do. Now, Tuck, it was yep. it was a pleasure actually. Thank you for being on. It was it was great insight, and I love what you're doing. This is this is amazing. This is like positive stuff in the BattleTech universe, and that's awesome. I love that. Thank you. Thank That's you. Good stuff. All right. So uh, to wrap up with episode 136, we have a little bit extra to talk about the MechWar Online news. And so we're, to this be is very the brief, Biter segment. Biter segment. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, we, uh, after a little bit, while of silence, we finally got a January update uh, where they've been letting us know uh, quite a few things. But basically, what February update is coming, that will be coming with. Uh, quite a few changes we've sort of been hearing that have been in the works. So, uh, oh, trying to remember all the bits and pieces now. But uh, yeah, uh, player reconnect time uh, from two to four minutes, reduce unit recruitment costs rather than they might totally remove it, but they were just saying reduce a bit. Bolt ons will stay on the mechs, though, if you're worried about performance, don't worry, all the collision checks are still happening. Uh, so, we need to try and abuse that some, some way. Uh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, they're going to remove uh, cha uh, changing time of day from the majority of maps that have time of day uh, th uh, things in it. Uh, quieter intro music in the, uh, in the game, so 
that's nice. And yeah, uh, in the future, we'll be getting stuff like, you know, uh, in quarter two, they'll be changing up the maps and such, uh, spawn points and things finally. And quarter three, who knows? They say they might want to try and do some new content. Who knows? A new map. Whoa. Stay tuned. Right, and I guess one of the big takeaways uh, for you guys listening, they want feedback on uh, which variants you would like to see added to the game um, based on already existing chassis. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just a quick uh, question to throw to everyone else. What what variants are you guys interested in, or what do you? Want I have to no just... idea. I thought about it uh, earlier this morning, and I. Yeah, the one uh, I'm interested in on the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because th these have to be already existing. Yeah, mech, yeah. so to speak, you can't ask for Grand a Titan complete or something. new. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it, it has it, to be a different locust, a different spider, a different any mech that's already got a base model in the game. I think they already got a lot of the variants already there, but um, but they might actually get the variants that um aren't as popular. Per se, like I know that they have a locust, like one or two locusts that are low variants that no one uses, but I guess you could put them in there or something. You know, there's like one or two that they don't have. So in MWO, you know, obviously the, the big changes is usually just hard points rather than the stock loadouts. Because yeah. in BattleTech, uh, big change is just sort of taking off an SRM and then putting on some little bit more armor. And it's like, oh, it's a new variant. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a really tricky question because I think the game is really well saturated already with so many mechs and options. Um, in some ways, a simple answer is, hey, there's only so many mask mechs in the game. It's easy to add a mask mech on ECM mech, and that will just get people excited and be somewhat worth your time. Like, you could do something like add a new commando variant, but I'm not sure many people will really be interested. The commando's already sort of been done to death. Um, some mechs do sort of only have a few variants, and some particularly old mechs are kind of limited in the hardpoint choices, but you just don't see them around anymore. Like, Spider, Jenna, are these yeah. you know old mechs with very limited hard points and variety in the hard points, and they uh, they could do with a new variant to spice things up. That would be interesting. But yeah, is so it really worth it with you know these old mechs that nobody even really plays much? Yeah, I guess one of the main points for me would be like variant wise. So many mechs feel so very similar already. More variants would just make even less uh, different chassis ultimately so i guess if anything i would like to see as i said like uh, ecm variants and mask variants for mechs that don't have them and maybe some of the recce pirate builds um that are out there the recce pir pirate builds like which ones yes yeah, um i don't know if they are official designs but um oh, okay okay like just stupid stuff you've encountered in the war um as long as they're official stuff like uh Here's a spider with uh, only rockets, but a crap ton of rockets. Something like that might be interesting. But yeah, like true, that. true, true. I mean, they could do the old, uh, um, the old tech type stuff. Like uh, you, you find the periphery where they have like um, old tech. I mean, old, old tech. Um, not the Star League stuff, but I mean, even worse than that. Um, just like you said, they got a bunch of rockets or like you know AC guns or something like that. Or, like less armor. I mean. Uh, it has well, to be just within talking... the bounds of games that already exist. Mm. Yeah. So no new tech. In that case, I guess maybe some of the uh, really old mechs uh, introduce variants that come stock with uh, new tech mm, okay. to make them more new player friendly. 
so they don't have to really fill around with the build. Star but League max basically. Ultimately, yeah. Macaron does come down to hard points, as Bob yeah. said. So it does. Hard points and quirks, but with the old design philosophy, of course, quirks are supposed to be as bland as possible. So there's not really much point. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just some interesting things. You you know, you can always do things like, oh hey, all the grasshoppers are energy boats. Well, let's just have a missile gra uh, grasshopper with lots of rockets. Some you, you could do weird, wacky things like that, but. Uh, yeah, I agree very much with Ian. It doesn't, nothing really sort of jumps out to me as, oh, we really need this because the game is so saturated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, I guess more Centurion variants would be appreciated, uh, given that uh, PGI has given us about seven Centurion 9As, I know. Maybe they can then give away another Centurion variant. <laughs> I think, yeah, I need to check because uh, which mech has the most variants? I know, like, I think Marauder 2C has a lot of variants. Battlemaster has a lot of variants. Ooh, 10 Atlas variants. 10 Atlas <laughs> really? variants? Holy cow. Uh, I mean, yeah, there are multiple yeah. hero Atlas on, its, on their own. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't realize it was 10. Holy ma mackerel, man. That sort of includes, like, the Founders Edition and Loyalty. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Ah. I was just using MechNav Alpha because it actually has variants listed on the right-hand side. So it's like, ooh, lots, lots of ones listed on this. Jeez. But uh, yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, well, in the future, at least next episode, they'll probably come out with the roadmap. And then we can really get our sink our teeth into all the changes. Sure. And true. possibly also the February patch and all that. So yeah, we'll keep you guys informed. Otherwise, last thing to just at least mention... Um, the big deal sale, I think, should be still going on. Mm -hmm. um, at least, anyway, it, uh, as the time of recording, at least it's 50% uh, off all the mechs and uh, well, engines right now. So yeah. it's a great time to pick up new mechs. Yeah, you have until January 20th, so that is Wednesday, um, to pick up stuff for 50% off. Yeah, it pisses me off because they bought Ace, a Alia Zeus Hero. <laughs> Right before the sale, so <laughs> I lost fifty percent of my MC. But oh well, <laughs> that happens. But oh, we're always telling people never pick up full price max because but I wanted it, man. Always on fifty percent sales. Ah, <laughs> oh. yeah, but the engines is nice though because that that stuff gets expensive like after a while when you start yeah. modifying your max. But yeah, that that's a good price. Well, it's really good uh, to help reduce the cost. You buy a new mech and you can already kit it out quite a lot. Your yeah. biggest cost is often just going to be the endo steel and double heat sinks. Exactly. And the weapons. Exactly. That's a big deal. I just wish, um, you know, um, okay, there's been a lot of sales lately, but uh, it's nice actually to get the mechs and then skill them up. But instead, we spend all the sea bills on skilling our mechs up, and then we just uh, get more mechs. I don't have money. Give me some money. <laughs> all right, it's a big event with millions of sea bills. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, though, that, that about wraps it up, I think, for 136's MWO yeah. bonus little segment. Yeah, big deal and dev update. Uh, the one thing I, I do want to say about the dev update, um, he Matt brought up a good point though. It's like uh, wanting to actually buy the boltons when you know someone just hits you with a light laser or just accidentally hits you and it's gone. So like you spend all it looks nice in the mech bay, but yeah, it's almost yeah, it's automatically pretty much gone in the uh, um in the game itself as soon as you begin. So now these are gonna actually yep. gonna stay on for longer through the whole game. So actually, I want to go now do a bolt-on thing because I haven't even looked at bolt-ons for ages. You know, basically to go put them on. It's like oh, I'm just gonna lose them. Like except for the flags, I like the flags. 
but uh yeah they're they're, they're sort know. of like vanity items yeah and yeah. your vanity is not even being appeased because they, they get knocked off <laughs> yeah get knocked it's off only, it's only showing off to your teammates yeah exactly so you know now it's going to stay on through the whole game but the check boxes uh or the hit or the hit boxes aren't changed so you can't like can't shoot off his uh, flag and do damage to him or anything so it's it, it's still the same but you know it's still good that we'll be able to go keep them on at the same time throughout the whole match. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, um, I understand the change. It makes total, complete yeah. sense from a business perspective. In a way, at least if I'm fighting an enemy mech with boltons, the boltons change the silhouette of the mech. Yeah, yeah, it does. And that can be really uh, confusing, particularly to newer players and such. Uh, a compromise that I would suggest would have been just something along the lines of that you can always see your own boltons and your teammates can always see your boltons, but the enemy will be able to knock them off in their own. You know, I don't think they can the do game. that though. I don't think they could do that like in the game. I think that'd be almost I think impossible. The boltons are sort of treated as like their own objects, like arms are, mm -hmm. such that you can't sort of have them in their own yeah. uni little mini universe. But <laughs> <laughs> that that would sort of be my way. Just that you don't tell anyone, but whenever you know uh, uh, someone asks their teammates or they go to third person camera, it's like, "Do I have my boltons?" It's like, "Yep, yep, you sure do." Week, 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 week. Yeah, but I thought that was cool. You know, and that's gonna be something that's good. And also, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna increase the. I, um... I like what Matt had to say in the thing because yeah, he seemed right. He was right, right on the money with boltons. He's also uh, unlike sort of Darren. He's like, yeah, I, I'm I'm pushing. Like he he mentions a couple of times, he's pushing to get things done quick sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, like, definitely. If they get done with um. Uh, uh, like instead of having to make sure everything comes out with a big patch, they're saying, "Hey, if we do something, we'll come. We'll try and break it, to, uh, make it get to you as soon as possible." And I like at least hearing one of the people up top has that as a priority. And the biggest thing of the whole thing that they're talking about: quieter intro music. My God, I don't know what the hell they were thinking with, with that quieter intro music. Because every time I popped it up, I had to take off my headphones and go like this in yep. order to go in. You know, go ahead and, and then I'll start playing the game. But damn, I don't know what the hell that that I don't know what the hell that was all about. It's just crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I get that that's just a video that's fixed into the engine and you can't change sound mm -hmm. like on on the user side. But if you know that your users can't change the intro sound, then mute it. Don't yeah. don't have sound. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, anyway, yeah. Okay. Just one of those uh, stupid, really old things that is finally getting changed. What I found interest, most interesting, honestly, for the update is uh, where some of the results they gave us for their bundles. Um, mm -hmm. Like we we didn't get numbers, but from what Matt and, Matt and Darren talked about, the uh, their holiday bundle sold fairly well. With the uh, biggest one being the uh, Baker's Dozen uh, 13 Macbase. So it's cool for me to uh, know that um, those bundles have been worthwhile for PGI, mm -hmm. which makes it likely that we're going to get more and similar sales in the future, which I'm so. looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. the MacPay oh. one was, uh, we said, it was, you know, it, it looks cheap and it really helps just, uh, uh, you know, if that's your only purchase, it's a really nice purchase to do. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I need anything from MacPay Online, but <laughs> it's always cool to see things. It's I've good been for new players. Some, uh, newer players and whatnot, and uh, at least one of them, you know, just started picking up the game. It's like he was thinking of picking up a couple of the uh, MacPay bundles because he's like, you know what, I, I think this is like a twenty dollar game or something, and I'll, yeah, I'll put down twelve dollars or something like that now, and mm. that will allow me to play the game for ages and buy all the mechs I yeah. want. 
I might actually just do another account, do a, a a beginner account or something like that, and play tier five to tier one or something like that, and just pick up mm -hmm. one of the bundles. Maybe I don't know. I'm thinking about it. No. Yeah, uh, that would be good. To, uh, you should do that after they institute the cadet changes. They're yeah, planning yeah, true. to yeah. uh, increase cadet bonuses. You know, make it more interesting than just sea bills. And with the sea bills, bills slowly ramping off, it doesn't even feel so good. And so they're talking about like cockpit items, some colors, maybe a mech or something. Who knows what in the end they'll figure out? But the idea is that um, mechs are a little uh, new. New players are a little. Um, shortchanged uh, by the time they finish the cadet bonus, particularly with things like skill tree. Um, you know, that sucks a lot <clears> of sea builds away from new players. I see it all the time. I still think you should reduce the sea build cost because that is a huge issue for a lot of players to keep you know, buying new mechs and playing the game is that they're losing all their sea builds to skilling up the mechs. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> God. And then for the uh, final minutes of the dev vlog, um, I'll be honest, I haven't watched the end of it. Um, more dev vlogs by Weekly. Um, I assume they mean the video vlogs by them? Uh, yeah, yeah, vlogs. By Weekly, at least, yes. And oh. then they will be opening up the wiki. Are they, yeah. Are they right. talking about the uh, official I think their wiki? own official wiki, yeah. I think they're opening it up. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things sort of at the end, but uh, those are the ones that most piqued my interest. That uh, people will be actually able to go in and argue about the mechanics in the wiki. <laughs> exactly. I just hope they update the wiki, though, to tell you the truth, because if I know the, uh, the one they've been having is just not updated with different things, what they do in it, like anything. So I just hope they keep it's it up really to date. It's really good with what it has, but yeah. it's very limited with what Very it limited. Has. I just, just update it every patch of what they change, like in it, though. Okay, Um, is that all, or do we have anything else? Um, I mean, I can get into the details. Like, they talked about the whole changing time of day thing, that um, yeah, the, the, the game files have stuff like, you know, that say the start time, end time, and how quickly time changes throughout the day yeah. and obviously like uh particularly noticeable on things sort of like river city uh it would yeah. take it would only take a few minutes for the sun to move quite a distance uh you start in the morning and you end at night time or something like that anyway uh with the complaints about performance issues and all that they're going to set it to a fixed time of day and so what they've done is uh, gone through all the maps checked which ones they think have changing time of day and then fix their times of days to what they think sort of makes the right most amount of sense so you know they said like forest colony will be at uh, 10 a.m so a fairly overcast sun Fro frozen city 2 p.m so uh, same kind of deal there river city 10 a.m Rudian bog 1 p.m Polar High Highlands, 8 a.m., so early-ish in the morning. And uh, Crimson Strait, they picked a very particular time. The Gold Goldilocks Zone, so to speak, was 6.45 yeah. p.m. Uh, this is when it's just about starting to become nighttime and all the lights are turning on, but there's still like a, a sort of a sweet sunset in the distance that isn't blinding or anything like that. And it's not full-on nighttime. I would mind if they actually kind of did like Frozen City 2 p.m. and then also 2 a.m. or something like that, you know, Kind of like night and day, like if they're gonna do those kind of things. So so you fight in either you know, night and day like like environments. 
and it's all random though you know, basically like so th there was there was um it's kind of funny do you remember times like if you jumped in you dropped in viridian bog and it was nighttime and yeah you couldn't see a damn thing <laughs> <see> a damn <laughs> <right>. <laughs> i just uh, in some ways you will not have that anymore but it was kind of quaint having yeah. it once in a blue moon oh yeah and, yeah uh, in this way it'll make matches more consistent on that map and i will be more happy clicking it but it's also like, oh, I do miss sometimes just randomly at the nighttime. Um, I think we kind yeah, of yeah, cool, for the yeah. nighttime and daytime, both both kind of kind of look the same, honestly. Yeah. Um, well, Verdian Bog, you know, basically raining and nighttime was the worst to go through. Yeah. You know. Uh, so yeah, as I said earlier, at least they have got the majority of maps, and in a way, I think the changing time thing is a bit of a gimmick. It shouldn't. It does feel a little cartoony, at least particularly mm -hmm. in River City and others. It's just sort of uh, they have a fancy toolbox, which is like, oh look, we got changing time of day. The players must see the whole day unfold before them in the five-minute <laughs> match, <laughs> which was always a little silly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it did feel kind of interesting, like uh, you you know you start in the morning, and but whilst by the end, all of you are really beaten up, and it's nighttime, but. Uh, yeah, it was very cartoony. Mm -hmm. um, there is one map, of course. You know, I, I, uh, it's my favorite map. Can you guys guess which one it is? That uh, it's a hot map. No oh, god. I would always go Terra Therma. Terra Therma. No, 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 not not Terra Therma. Caustic. Caustic. Uh, okay. They. This is why I'm saying they have the majority of time of day maps, but not all of them. Caustic. If you, if you remember, at least if when you drop on it, there will be different lighting environments. And this is because that also has a day-night cycle. Mm. The big difference with Caustic is, of course, um, day and night. Uh, you know, it, it's just the way the map sort of looks. Um, day and night are kind of hard to tell. And day and night takes a very long time to, like, it, it actually has a more reasonable progression between day and night. Uh, like, it will actually take half an hour or so for it to, for the sun to go all the way across, which is beyond the scope of a normal game. Just technically speaking, if you're trying to reduce performance, um, you should sort of look at Caustic. But I really like the fact that Caustic will be the only map that still changes technically slightly subtly in the background. And it will have random change changes of times of day. It's like, it'll just give you another reason to gloat about uh, Caustic Valley being the best map. <laughs> or they just forgot to mention it. Uh, what they did was they jumped into testing grounds. And I think that was their way of figuring out which ones actually have changing time of day. And because Caustic is so subtle with its changing time of day, it went totally past them. So I'm happy. <laughs> the only thing I want to see is uh, if they actually made it for um, for the testing grounds, if we could change the time of day. Because uh, like, you know, like sometimes I'm, I want to get some thumbnails at certain times of day with the sunset or actually like a nighttime stuff like that. I wish, we, I wish they would put that in. That would be kind of nice. I don't uh, think they'll work I on that. Like, what, private lobby Doesn't private lobby? Yeah. Yeah. Private lobby, but I got to get another yeah. person to come in and go do private lobby, and that's that's yeah. almost impossible. Sometimes. With um, yeah, yeah, I had that issue as well. At least testing grounds, getting screenshots on Caustic Valley. Sometimes I would like go, you know, have some food and come back, and obviously the time of day would change, <laughs> and my screenshot wasn't quite the same. Yeah. True. <laughs> anyway, uh, they still have the system in place, and maybe we'll see something of the system in the future. Like maybe uh, the voting screen might have a time vote um, in the far future. But yeah. I guess my takeaway for now is um, I will never be able to fight in Polar Highlands because I am not getting up for 8 a.m. <laughs> I'm asleep at 8. You can't get me in at 8 a.m.
What? Like, uh, like always, we sort of force the paper. <laughs> I was just sitting there. What is the keyboard? Whenever we're. Uh, <laughs> Uh, whenever the learn boats click it, but we're, everyone's going to be extra groggy when uh, they're forced to play Polar Highlands. Uh-huh. Uh, Bob, it's it's a joke on the I get it. fixed time. I get it. I get it. Okay. I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then I guess uh, with that, let's uh, before we dive too much more into madness, let's end episode one thirty six of the First Circuit podcast. Uh, Thank you all for watching. Your hosts today were all Bob. Hello. Bye, Grob. And myself, Andrew's area. Have a great week and see you next time. I know. Beep boop. Beep boop. <laughs>